Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Stowe. Dobry večer from Prague and welcome to another episode of the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow of the History of Alchemy Podcast. For centuries, Bohemians have passed along their unique oral traditions and morality stories to illustrate their collective history. These stories are full of cautionary tales and the legends are either saturated with historical truth or merely just sprinkled with real-life events from their long, long, illustrious past. One of the best ways to measure the depth of a culture's longevity and historical footprint is to research their tales and legends. Tonight, we do just that. The Bohemian and Moravian peoples have a rich tradition of these tales that resonate throughout the year. This is where we make the distinct difference, Travis, between legend and fairy tales. Yeah, that's right. So the legends are much different than fairy tales like told during Christmas time, for instance, like, so fairy tales have like a moral at the end of the story, kind of like they do in the States, but maybe it's more of a, of a method to scare children into making the better choices in life. Um, in fact, some are pretty dark. I don't know if you've read the, like the original Grimm and you know, that kind of thing. And the Brothers Grimm, right? Yeah. Even, even darker than the commonly known Grimm fairy tales sometimes here in the Czech Republic. You know, and Travis, you know, one of the one of my favorite ones, or uh, which is also one of the creepier ones, is the story that my wife would always tell the kids, and that's the uh, the old Czech tale of the Waterman. All right, so the the Waterman was something that actually kept me awake at night after hearing this fairy tale, and the, the whole idea, the synopsis of the Waterman basically is this impish creature that lives in the bottom of the lake or a pond, and he he entices and calls children to the edge of the lake or the pond. Uh, where they're not supposed to go really unsupervised. There's a morality lesson right there, or that, or that yeah. safety lesson. And so what happens is, is that it, he basically takes the children, drowns the children to keep himself company, and keeps them in his little house at the bottom of the lake. All right. So yeah, that's it's cre- it's got a creep level about eight or nine to a little kid and to some adults like like myself. It's, yeah. Yeah. But what it does is it, it kind of scares kids and saying, you know what, I should listen to mom and dad. Stay out I, of the water. I need to stay away from the water's yeah. edge, right? So because a water man lives there, and you know, for the next few years, you get you know you kind of egg on that tradition, that that story, and saying. Oh, I wonder what the Waterman's doing today, you know, and the kid goes, oh, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that you can probably keep going for a while until they get old enough to, to start reasoning and thinking, well, he doesn't exist and maybe I shouldn't go in the water unless I know how to swim or have some supervision. So that, that, that is uh, one example of that. But Travis, you know, you've had some experience in, in uh, doing tours and in, in, in talking about the difference between uh, fairy tales and legends, the legends that, that are just dripping through the pages here in the Czech Republic, specifically here in the city of Prague. 
Yeah, well, we've gone over some legends before, but there's the... Um, like, legends often explain... I mean, this is not just a Czech thing, but legends are often like how you explain some natural feature or why something is the way it is, right? And um, Well, sometimes it also it, it, it kind of really burrows into uh, the his, some of the historical truths of oral tradition that you hear. Yeah, now, there's and, a lot of misinformation in there as well, but sure. it, helps, it helps explain some of the historical facts. You know, yeah, some, some of it might be, like there's a, there's a kernel of historical truth and then the legend kind of grows over time. Sure. Which, yeah, so you suddenly end up with like mythical kings that, you know, maybe were just a little bit better than their predecessors or whatever. But o- over the millennia, they become like King Arthur or something. But um, a, a good example of one in Prague, for instance, that I, that I can think of off the top of my head is the, um, in Charles Square... It really is kind of a square, except there, there's the Kinski Palace sticks out a little bit in one of the corners, like it sticks out into the square a little. Okay, so so if you if you were a tourist, you you, you would look at you kind of get your, your bearings by looking at the very famous uh, Church of Tien with the two the two uh, uh, spires on the other end, and you'll see this big monument made by the communist era folks that of of uh, Jan Hus before he was uh, burned at the stake. That's right next to the Kinski Palace. Yeah, Kinski Palace is the far side away from the like where the clock is, for instance, in the tower, and um, it's where the National Gallery is now. It's 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 kind of cool. Like that's I mean the building has a rich history. Like it was um, that's where Kafka's father's bookshop was, right? And that's where Clement Gottwald gave the speech, informing the populace that they're now communists. For and, instance, and like Clement Gottwald was the first communist leader, right, in right. 48. And even before so, that, in the 1940s, um, Hitler held a rally right there. Yeah. And the stage was right, pretty much right where, where this palace was. Yeah, I was. think the stage was in front. I, yeah, I don't remember. I think the stage was set up in front of it. Kinski, uh, Gottwald was actually on the balcony in that building. Oh, I see. So so there's like famous pictures of Gottwald standing there saying like, oh, we're all pinkos now. And yeah. welcome to the club. And um, But it is kind of interesting because... The building does stick out into the square, and so this this legend kind of evolved, or or one that I heard or, or read is that um, so people try to explain like okay so why is, does that building stick out and they're like you know well let me tell you why right and so there's there's the story and there, there's there's a lot of mixed legends into the story because um, another thing you have to know is that. Prague has an underground, which we've talked about. I think we've mentioned it on the very first episode that the whole, all of downtown Prague has a huge, every every building there has an underground, which are now cellars, but it used to be the ground level. So Prague is a city built on top of a city. So in the clock, the the, the clock tower used to be one story taller, and now when they raised the city, you know, like raised as in raised it a floor. Now it's you know one story shorter, and a lot of so, this is a result of, of anti you know a, a flooding for preve- flooding, prevention, yeah. right? And so for a long time it was like a labyrinth underneath the city, like you actually had a city underneath the city, which is kind of neat. Um, but when you when you talk about the old town square, we're talking the, the city was raised in the 14th century, and the old town old town square possibly even a little bit before because it was easy to do so. You just you know throw dirt on the square. You didn't have to raise streets or anything or block front doors. The legend goes, the Kinski Palace wasn't built by the Kinskis, but by another nobleman. That nobleman, you know, he, he was looking for ideas and he was hiring architects. And there was a really famous architect who, who actually did a lot of the other landmarks in Prague and also a couple in Vienna. 
And in fact, there's another Kinski Palace in Vienna, you know, different building, same name. And this guy was getting ideas. And one of the architects said, look, I got this, you know, here's the design. But what would make this thing even cooler is if it stuck out into the square, right? So everyone would notice the building that's sticking out. And the nobleman said, yeah, that's, that's great. There's just one problem, that that's illegal. So, and the architect said, well, that's no problem because um, as we know that in any century, in any city, you can find some corrupt nobleman or some corrupt, you can find some corrupt councils, like city council members, pay them some money and, you know, some grease money and things happen, right? So the council members, they signed the, the um, permission to um, build out into the square a little bit and, and all the paperwork was signed. Of course, it was illegal and this was against the law, but, you know, whatever, it worked. So, but to hide what they were doing, because there would have been a public outcry, you can't just build in the city square. Um, to hide what they were doing, they, they built a tall fence around the construction site so that they couldn't see where they were building exactly or what they were doing. And they started to dig in, uh, they started to dig the hole for the, you know, the basement and the foundation and everything. Now, when you're digging, if you're digging in the town square, it's hard to say what you might find. Because even today, that's unexcavated for the most part. And a lot of the Prague underground is unexcavated. It's just, you know, things were walled up and, you know, rooms lost and who knows what's down there. So they, they dug their hole. They, they set the stones for the foundation. They started building the pillars for support. And when they finished that first part of the construction, they took a night off and they wanted to go celebrate. So they went to one of the numerous pubs around Old Town Square and they were sitting and get, drinking a couple of beers and they were talking about their work and congratulating themselves on a job well done and that kind of thing. And the, the, at the table next to them was this old kind of creepy man. He overheard part of the conversation and he, and he kind of wanders over and, and he's like, hey, you guys, you guys are the guys, you guys are the, are the um, builders of the Kinski Palace. It wasn't called Kinski Palace, but you know, you guys are the builders of the Kinski Palace. And they're like, yeah, that's us. And he's like, what you guys are doing, that's bad. You guys are digging into ground that should not be disturbed. And the, the guys are just like, okay, whatever, old man, you know, you're, go home, you're drunk. And he's like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. I don't mean like from a legal point of view. I mean, you're digging into the devil's territory. And they're like, oh, yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you're, you're disturbing things that should be left alone. You're not going to succeed. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And they told him a third time, you know, get lost. And so he did. And uh, they're drinking their beers and thinking like, oh, man, what a weird old geezer, you know, whatever. And, but in any case, they, they go back the next morning and they find that the foundation has this huge crack along it. And some of the pillars are broken. And e even though it's a, you know, normal, sturdy construction, everything's damaged the next day. So they had to start all over and reset some of the foundation and rebuild the pillars and when they got it done again, uh, again, when they came the next day, the, the same crack appeared, the same pillars were broken. And they started to, to wonder about this. And, you know, they, they, but they checked the ground. Everything seemed sturdy. So they, they couldn't quite figure it out. So they said, okay. So they just used um, better supplies and, and um, built an even sturdier foundation and tried a third time. But again, uh, you know, the next day there was a huge crack and the pillars broken. So they said, you know what? Maybe that, you know, remember that old guy that was telling us stuff the first time? Maybe he has, maybe he has a solution. Maybe we should, you know, hear what he has to say. So they went back to the pub and sure enough, there he sat. And so they went up to him and he's like, hey, old, old man, about, uh, 
about the Kinski Palace. So what exactly, what do you mean we can't build here? Like, what, what were you saying? Like, is there a reason or, you know? And the guy's like, no, you, you guys are digging into the devil's territory. The devil will not allow you to build your construction there. There is a way you can bind him. You can stop the devil from coming up and you can um, keep him down and build your building. And they're like, okay, yeah, go on. How do we do that? He's like, well, it's not going to be easy. You're not going to like it. But basically, you have to do something so evil that's generally more evil than what the devil does. That will put some fear into him and keep him down. I knew there'd be a catch, right? Yeah, and they're like, wait a minute. What, what does that mean exactly? How perverse you know? does this need to be? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, I'm, I'm not sure. And um, the, the old man told him, well, one thing that would work for sure is the sacrifice of an innocent. Probably an innocent child, sacrifice the child, bury the child in the foundation uh, or beneath the foundation, and that will stop the devil from coming up. And they're like, okay, well, um, thanks, but uh, no thanks, and uh, see you later. But when they went back to the foundation, they realized that they're already way over cost, like way over budget, way over time. You know, they started construction in the spring and, you know, summer came and went. It's fall, winter's coming. And they realized that they're going to lose their commission over this. They're way over, over schedule. And the architects and the builders had a reputation to keep up. Like, I, like these were real people that actually built several other buildings in Prague like famous landmarks, and they would lose that reputation, and they just plain couldn't afford to do so. So they weren't really sure about what the old man was saying, if that was true or not, but they started to think about the kind of the, the risk-benefit analysis here. Like, you know, what's one child where is our whole reputation for several people, you know? And um, none of them really liked the idea, but they did start scheming, and... So they start looking for people that no one would miss, and this is where the legend gets a little grisly. But um, they they went out. There's a small village 30, 30 kilometers from here, and um, they found an orphanage. And again, for a very small bribe, actually, they were able to um, convince the headmistress of the orphanage to basically sell her a little girl, sell them a little girl, brought her back to the construction site here in Old Town Square and they stabbed her to death and wrapped her in sackcloth and then buried her beneath the foundation. And after that, sure enough, they redid the foundation and no cracks and then they built the rest of the Kinski Palace. The proof of that stands today. And here's where some truth comes into it yeah. to, to, to make it seem more like possibly plausible is that the original owner of the palace sold it for a huge loss very shortly after moving into this. And um, if you don't believe me, you can cross-check this part on Wikipedia. That's, <laughs> that's fine. But um, he, he sold it uh, very soon and, and for a big loss to the Kinski brothers, which is why it's called the Kinski Palace. Now, back to the legend. So according to the legend, the original nobleman never got a good night's sleep in, in his new palace. So every night that he would try to, he would go to bed, then he would hear a small girl crying. And the final straw was one night he went to bed and he heard the girl crying and he sat up in bed and there she was at the, ed at the edge of his bed. He's like, that's oh, it. That's it. I'm, I'm out. Sold it the next day. <laughs> never set foot, foot oh, in there boy. again. 
There are a ton of these stories in Prague, as they are throughout most of the cities and towns and hamlets in Czech Republic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's just how Czechs and a lot of other people in Europe, they tell these stories. And it, it, it bridges century, gaps of centuries. And, of course, you can, you know, as we know, things kind of get uh, changed and turned around and, and things might be blown out of proportion. But there might be some kernels of truth, like Travis said. Um, one particular legend that I like, and my my ed, my part of story time here on this podcast is is uh, the legend of Horamir and uh, the the man that was uh, sentenced to death. Uh, it was he, and it's kind of a, a connection with this trusty friend, a, a horse that he had as as well that uh, we'll talk about in a second. But the legend is linked to the ancient seat of of Czech princes. And at uh, Vishrod, which is the, one of the first castles or seats of power along the Vlatava before the before the Czech castle that we know to, or the for the Prague castle that we know today uh, sits a, a little further down the the, the river. This uh, Vishrod is a uh, an ancient ruin now that is. Yeah, but connected. We're, we're talking at least seventh century. So oh yes, right before right. Christian times, like pagan times, fortress. Yeah, so thanks, Travis, because that that gives us a a date to kind of give an idea with this. Like it's ancient. It's ancient. It's very, very old uh, by these standards. So this legend has been told for many, for many centuries. And according to one uh, one story in itself, it was here that the execution of Horamir was scheduled because he had burned several settlements to get his revenge on the king. Then was responsible for taking uh, many human lives. So he was kind of doing a noble thing by setting things on fire. But as a poor peasant, someone had to pay for this, and he was actually condemned to death. During this time, the cunning Horamir, he was offered one last wish mm-hmm. while he's in the courtyard and he's getting ready to uh, either be beheaded or, or hung or some horrible end of fate to this. And his one last wish is to give one final ride in the courtyard uh, with his faithful horse, Simic. Now, uh, Simic uh, was a huge, huge big uh, horse that that Horamir had, had brought up from a foal and, and basically uh, they were best best friends. Uh, the horse, he actually got on top of the horse and rode very, very calmly in, in circles around the courtyard. And then with just a whisper in the ear that nobody knows what Hormir said to his horse Simic, the horse then all of a sudden galloped with one giant leap and jumped over the highest rampart of Vesherad, uh, of the castle of the castle ramparts, and thus saved his life and his master as he galloped away and got across the Vlatava. Now, the, the king was, was infuriated with this and tried to go find Hormir and the horse, Nowhere to be found. It is said later on that he just be, he moved away and became a, a very quiet farmer, and uh, the horse himself uh, survived many years. But but Horamir eventually did die of uh, some, of some unknown uh, reason, and shortly thereafter, uh, the horse Simic died of a broken heart. So <laughs> so if you can if you can kind of get that idea in there, that uh, you'll see some some paintings even uh, of this for this fairy tale of Hormir leaping with his horse Simic over the entire rampart to an astonished, astonished courtyard of executioners uh, as he was fleeing away. Now, you know, who's, who know, who's to know? But I would, say, I would probably say that it's probably a great story for people to hear that for those that are condemned to death or condemned to imprisonment, that there's hope to get out. When in reality, we know, especially in Prague, there was very little hope if you were caught or um, scheduled for torture or execution this story was pretty much done and your end was going to be bad and it was going to be long and prolonged and rough. Yeah. So, so that story probably helped a lot of people kind of, you know, think that there was hope for such uh, injustice in the world. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it is uh, an inter- interesting thing. You know, this doesn't just stop with, 
with uh, other people that are from from the Czech Republic. Uh, it's also expats kind of get involved in some of these legends as well, especially if they take do tours or they take a tour. You might see that when you come to come to Prague. But it, it's also even in 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 my house in, in in the Coleman household, we have these stories of fairy tales and legends that we tell quite a bit, especially before bedtime. Uh, my wife and I tell fairy tales and legends to our kids quite a bit, and and even my teenage daughter now has taken up the role, the mantle, so to speak, of storytelling to my uh, to her eight year old brother, my son Nathaniel. And I thought it'd be really a good idea to kind of listen in, eavesdrop, if you will, on a recorded uh, uh, conversation and, and this very common occurrence in the, in the Coleman household. Tak jo na to, tak teď ti povím pohádku o Brunsvíkovi. Tak jo. Dobře, tak začnem. The 30 statues of saints you see on Charles Bridge were not put there until the mid-18th century. These works were commissioned to adorn the bridge by noblemen, the church, the Prague Corporation, and Why the university. Why was there? Why was the bridge there? Yeah. So that people could cross the river? Oh. Their authors were leading sculptures of the day, and most of their work by Matthias Braun, Jana Brakov, and Brakov's sons. For centuries, now Praguers have been teasing foreigners with the question, how many statues are there on Charles Bridge? It is a trick question because the fact is that there are not 30 but 31 statues. The 31st is on is the figure of Brunswick with the golden sword that stands on the bridge pier above Gampa Park. It also used to be known as Roland after the popular hero of medieval legends. Similar columns topped with knights exist in other European cities. Unlike these other knights, however, Brunswick on Charles Bridge has a lion crouching at his feet. And why do you have lion? What does he have a lion crouching at his feet? You'll find out. And from there it was but a short step to the legend of how dauntless Prince Brunswick won the image of the lion for his coat of arms and the kingdom of Bohemia. The story goes that in olden times, a prince ruled the Bohemian lands. His coat of arms was an original iron cauldron, and longing for a more elevated emblem, he left his realm, and through his courage of the service of the king of Nepals, he obtained a coat of arms with a black eagle and a field of gold. His son, Brunswick, who became ruler of the Bohemian lands after his father's death, resolved to add some even more nobler emblem to his arms. He set out on his travels, journeyed throughout many strange lands, and then set sail. On his voyage he came to some wild rocky cliffs, where he spied a seven-headed dragon fighting with a lion. Seeing that the lion was getting the worst of the struggle, he joined in on the lion's side and slew the dragon. The grateful lion then accompanied him on his travels, in the realm of King Olebrius. Brunswick also obtained a magical sword. Why do he have the magic sword? Why not? It's it's a magic sword. You always need a magic sword. As soon as he said, heads down all, the heads of his enemies would be rolling in the dust. With his miraculous sword and his lion at his side, the brave Brunswick returned to Prague and proclaimed a silver lion on a red field to be the new emblem of the kingdom of Bohemia. It is said that Brunswick's magic sword is walled up somewhere in one of the piers of Charles Bridge. When the Bohemian lands are in the greatest peril and misery, the knight sleeping in the mountain of Blank will awake and come to the aid of Prague. They will be led by St. Winceslaus on a white horse when he crosses Charles Bridge with his troops. 
His horse will stumble, and the miraculous sword will jump from the ground straight into the prince's hand. The, king, the knights of Blanik will then effortlessly defeat the enemy, and peace and prosperity will return to the Bohemian lands. It's good. You know, Travis, I really love listening uh, to my two kids talk, talk to each other, uh, and it's just like, the, as, as this recording goes, it is kind of mixed between Czech and English. They kind of go back and forth with that sometimes. Um, and uh, when I get a chance to kind of listen to them talk through the door uh, and tell these, these fairy tales or legends, uh, um, it, it, it makes me smile. That, I'm sure, is not an uncommon sight in many Czech households. Uh, across the planet, actually. It's, uh, it's something that people take with them if they move away from the Czech Republic. Uh, as a matter of fact, we get, a, we get uh, several emails about this particular subject on asking for more fairy tales and legends to be brought to the show Bohemican. Uh, so we, we constantly are adding things to the, to the website, bohemican.com, to kind of give you that, that taste of some of the legends, of the legends of the White Lady, legends of the, the ghost of, the, of, uh, of, of Tien, uh, the Church of Tien, uh, the Headless Horseman. Uh, there's a lot of I'll, them. I'll tell you, a lot less of them have happy endings. Yeah, they, they're. It, That's the. You know, and, and the funny part about it is that you know, my wife and I would try to limit a lot of of scary movies or anything that might be even moderately uh, unsettling to the kids uh, watching any any television at all or or movies. But we did have a, a, a one of those uh, quarrels about what's appropriate for you know our youngest. And and uh, I said, yeah, he might be ready for the first Lord of the Rings movie. I don't I, I don't know. He's he's eight, and I think maybe he's ready for it. And she was dead set against it. And I said, well, you know, half the stories we've told this kid, <laughs> yeah, growing up as a baby, are a lot worse than you would see in the movies, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so um, the, these stories are dark, Travis, they're, and they're dark. And why do you think they're so dark? It's it's a, it's a warning. It's to instill fear. It's exactly. It's the opposite thinking of what parents have today. It is like, no, scare the crap out of them so they don't do so that So they don't ever. do that again, right? It's like, give them, give them phobias for life. They'll stay alive. I, I, I kind of grew up in a different situation. Like, yeah, try, try sticking that penny in the light socket. See what, see what happens. Yeah. All right? So, you know, you'll learn, it's right? Like, no, it's okay. If you, go into, if you take one step into the woods, you will die. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. are thousands of wolves, and they will eat you. And that's the fairy tale aspect of it. And we're trying to make a, a, a difference between fairy tales and, and legends. The legends, Travis, are also very dark. Because Still, everyone, it, everyone dies. In yeah, it, well, because I think it mirrors, mirrors real life. Murdering orphans. and Yeah, it's not good. You know, but the, the mirror to real life here, it, this is dark history stuff here that we have in, in the yeah. Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is kind of Games of Thrones-ish, if I you think, will. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when, when the fairy tales were written down, they were already, like, it was already an oral tradition for hundreds of years. Right. Reaching at least into the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, there were some very dark truths that were just a everyday life. So, yeah, you just, you got to be aware of those things. Well, I think because there's been so much of, a, so many requests uh, via email uh, from the Bohemian website that uh, this won't be our last show on legends or some fairy tales as we go throughout uh, the, the near future. We'll probably I, bring I, some of it back. I got some more. Yeah, right. no, there are plenty more. There are books and books of, uh, of legends and, and things we've already heard of uh, for the years we've already lived in, in Prague and in the Czech Republic. And, and we'll kind of expand past, the Czech, uh, expand past Prague into other cities that, are, that have uh, the very unique traditions of, of uh, or u- very unique stories of their own uh, of uh, legends and fairy tales. We want to thank you tonight for listening. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you visiting bohemican.com. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can uh, download, uh, download us there and uh, keep in touch with what we're doing with the Bohemican podcast. For Travis Dow, I'm Pete Coleman. Thanks for listening and have a good night. Yep. Thanks. You have been listening to the Bohemican podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. 
Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemican Podcast, thank you for listening.